This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Let's first drill down into looking at the take and the twist that David gave us on the traditional retail model of sales constructions and how we might be able to look at that from our accounting industry point of view. I always like to look at what people are doing in other industries so we can then, you know, use some ideas and some of these ideas that I'm going to put forward are just throwing ideas around. No advice in this one, just want you to follow the process that I go through and um, think about how we might be able to apply some of the tips um, and nuggets of knowledge that David gave us in his session. So I think there were two very key takeaways for me here. The one is using an education information platform or business to educate our clients and then how we can actually monetize that. And David did this obviously with his tips and tricks of things that go wrong. The second thing that I'd like to drill down after that is like the construction um, industry that, you know, sells sheds, um, still just the one shed, so one, the big product. We're a bit similar in that we definitely have that one product. Um, a lot of us do at the end of year, the, the processing of the end of year tax return or the compliance obligations with quarterly buses and et cetera. And what, you know, what are the smaller add-ons that we could put around this and what are the gaps in the market in that. So they're the two key points I want to drill down. So first of all, let's look at the um, education. What sprung to mind immediately for me when David talked about his five tips and tricks for sheds to go wrong, so what to avoid when you're building a shed, which is a really valuable thing for every, anyone to use, and he talked about how people Google straight away so wouldn't it be great if we could do something like a tips and tricks? We see mistakes that people make in the preparation of, you know, their income tax returns to get ready for um, tax. We see mistakes all the time on the preparation of data that we're constantly, um, you know, in our, sometimes in our end of year process correcting. We also see mistakes when we, you know, get data or get new clients and, and see that they even haven't ask for any advice from the previous accountants or they haven't got accountants fast enough um, in the startup and they've come to you, you know, a lot of after the facts have happened. So I really feel that we can use the same sort of framework that David used to start really educating our clients as to what is. And a lot of the pushback I get from this when we talk about this, particularly in the Renovate program, when we're going into the stages of really starting to engage our client around their data cleansingness and you know, trying to change those conversation is we don't have time to put the content together. And that is very true. But we actually are collating this content all the time. We are constantly writing review notes or emails to our clients asking for data or ringing them and correcting them. If you could just capture that in, in short, sharp data is sort of outside or you're seeing consistencies, it doesn't have to be a big deal. I think sometimes we overthink it. And then really look at how could we start educating our clients, even if it starts just through newsletters with our clients and it grows. 
it's super important here to do really small steps first in what you do every day. So I think that would be a great, you could think of your own five tips. Um, I've given you a, a few hints there. But we are seeing these mistakes all the time, every day. We are actually capturing the information in, in our reviews, so, um, you know, in our reviews or our education with our clients. It wouldn't be great if some of these mistakes couldn't be happening. And then I have seen this done, you know, effectively, but not nearly enough is, you know, educating your client into, you know, what data should you be putting into your zero files or what data should you be putting into um, your buses and stuff if you are a DYIR like David was with his tax. And so there could be a whole lot of tips and tricks that you could start educating our market. In this very content-driven world, we need to start really giving back some of the education to our clients. The more we educate our clients, the more they're going to come to you. As you've seen definitely with David, the more he educated people on what goes wrong and how they can avoid it. And it's very important not just to say what goes wrong, but how they actually might import it, um, avoid it then the more educated our people come, our clients come or our potential clients come and they want to go to people who educate them as opposed um, to just correcting them at the end. So I think there's some really great tips there. The other second parallel, as I said, is looking at his statement around um, the shed construction and you know, businesses that wanted to sell sheds just want to sell sheds and that's the end of it. And he's picked up a whole business around well, all the other things that, you know, what happens after it? What are the what are the um, products and what are the services that people actually need after it? And he's quite right. A lot of these big shed companies aren't structured to give that type of advice or have those small small products available. It's just not either worth their while or arguably it probably is, but, but they just don't have the infrastructure systems and processes to do it. So how can we think about this in ours? I mean, we certainly – I'm going to be very frank here. I think we are the same in the accounting industry as a very big general statement, not because we don't want to, but because our end-of-year tax preparation and our GST and other compliance areas take up so much space in our time in our area that we don't really have the time or the systems and the processes to get into the, the add-ons or even package them up, if you like. Um, and if we do, we don't do it effectively enough for it to be profitable to us or we're not as proactive in it as we would like. And here I'm not talking about business growth advisory products or any of those other ones that, you know, we've been told a lot to value add um, to our clients who we have to actually go and get skill sets. There's a whole stack of stuff that we already probably do. We just do it in an ad hoc basis that um, we already have the skills to do it. We just need to frame it up and converse it better and create a little bit more time so we can do it. And these are stuff like, you know, data cleanups and training of our clients. So, you know, rather than you cleaning their data up every year, spending an hour to them in, in additional out of scope product to actually help them do it. Another one that is super important that I don't think we do nearly well enough um, and we certainly always do it under stress is obviously tax planning. How can we make it better? But I'm not only tax planning because quite often we might not actually be able to improve the situation, but a lot of our clients actually want to be educated around how they're going with their tax, and we need, you know, time products and systems to do that, which leads to tax education programs. Very simple cash flow work and budgeting on how you're actually going to pay the tax now we know what it is or how we're going to get ready for next year's tax. Structuring reviews, trustee reviews, these are all skills that we already have 
and we would already do these products, but they're like the shed industry, they're sort of the post-build products, if you like, that um, I, it's not that we're not interested in doing it or we don't have the skills, it's just that we don't have the time and the systems and the processes to actually do it. So I think we need to start really thinking around those areas. So I think that's what I took away from that session, and I hoped that those um, drill-downs helped. Another interesting side tip that I would like to give you um, before we get into the next session, it was really interesting. I thought that David provided himself with DIY um, advice around some of the tax and everything, and he admitted to that. So this is a classic example of really looking to what a client wants as opposed to what a client needs. Of course, we would think that he needs, um, and he does, need um, more structured advice and, you know, even he admitted himself that maybe he could have um, taken a bit more advice on that. But people only really go with what they want and our expert tendencies sometimes really start going wild here and it's really important that we to be efficient at really servicing your clients and then hopefully one day shifting their needs to wants. It's really important to listen. And if you were working with David and you knew that he needed this advice, you may spend quite a bit of time um, trying to convince him of that and it's not that he want, would want it. So you need to be able to work within that framework, which we talked about earlier maybe around um, episode three or four, we talked about the expert tendencies. And this is a really good example of where your expert tendencies would really kick in and go with, no, we can provide all these solutions and that you need them rather than be um, curious and listen and find out what he wants. And in the short term, right then, he really just wanted that support on the lodgements and stuff. So just a quick tip there. It was really interesting just to see that um, and, and hear that in a podcast. So I would um, point it out. When David and I started drilling down on the actual startup innovation side, I think there were some really significant points there to take home on two aspects. First of all, how could we service the startup and get a better understanding of it? But also, how can we actually use some of the principles that we talk to support any business owner going into their new businesses or starting out on new ventures themselves? Because most business Businesses aren't startups in the, in the, we were talking about them in this podcast, but they're startups just the same, um, for the people going into them and particularly if they're going into with other business partners as well. So there's that aspect which we'll draw down on first. The second side of it is how can we use some of the startup mindsets and some of the structures around how David framed the startup? How can we use that, um, to, in our own businesses and when we do our mini startups with products and stuff as well. So let's just start overall. Again, I said it in the in the last week's episode, but I'll say it again. I hadn't really thought about it, even though I've actually read the book <laughs> that um, David got the definition of startup from, but it didn't really hit me um, as the steps, you know, that temporary organisation looking for a sustainable model, business model when it doesn't actually go from a temporary organization into a business until that they have that sustainable, repeatable business and process and the pivots that they go through. And I think that that's something really to keep in mind, particularly if you're wanting to look at servicing the startup um, industry to help them to put the proper foundations in. 
I also love the idea then with the startup is one of their first moves um, into that was to actually validate not only the concept, validate the the team. And I think that that was really curious how he spoke that, you know, in some of their startups, the people couldn't, you know, couldn't even get agreements on, on what the, you know, the roles would be even in a, in a startup, a pitch, which the business doesn't even exist. And I think that that really leads to um, something super important that we can support our clients with. They don't really spend a lot of time because everyone's excited about the concept and to get some of the emotional stuff and the expectations um, out of the way at the beginning. Of course, expectations will um, change over time, but I think it's really important that this sort of work gets done early on and it doesn't really have to be a big piece as David discussed, but it is something that's really important and as you heard there's quite a lot of quite a lot of support for the startup industry but most businesses are actually started at kitchen tables and pubs that aren't startups in the traditional concept that we were discussing the innovation startups or the technology startups they're going into business the first time that they could be buying a business like a hairdressing salon buying an established even hardware store so these are startups for the people involved, and there's not that big support network um, out there. Most businesses fall into this category, not the startup category that we were talking about. So to support them, wouldn't it be cool to actually do that? And a lot of the times, the first person that these people will be talking to will be you. So what could you actually drill down outside the finance without going too far out of your um, comfort zone? One of the places I always like to start is to start, obviously, with the question, why are you going into business? Why are you moving from a job into a business? Or why are you going into business with a partner? These sort of questions, because quite often are not, and then you have to actually drill down a little bit on this question. So it would be great at this point to get a grip to see if they actually understand why. And if you're feeling that they're not, then... You could explore that a little bit more or find someone who could perhaps help them on that adventure. If they sort of jump over that, then it's sort of going back to what David was saying. If you if you do have people who are going into business with other people, it is super, super important to get at least some minimum expectation documents down on you know, what are their expectations of their business partners, what are the expectations of their roles. I've seen more businesses break down um, because of the relationships than cash flow or debt is not paying or any other reasons. It's usually all about relationships and expectations not being met or really communicated at the front. So this is an important area, um, I think, going forward. And I think that we can give more support and we should be giving more support because, as I said, the startup community does get quite a bit of support but then the normal style of business owners don't. And there's definitely ways to develop programs around that. Just drilling down this a bit further and bear in mind, maybe a business start program could be something you can run. I want to actually now shift my thoughts here to using the startup mindset and look at some of ours when we're looking at new services or product lines. While the, you know, by no means is our industry a startup 
business, but I think that we can actually use some of these and we do not use this mindset when we're looking at adding on new products. So if we're looking at a product line that's, you know, a program around, say, starting a business and workshops around exactly what I was talking about um, just then, you know, why are you going into business, what are the frameworks in business, maybe even some financial literacy training, how do you read a balance sheet, how do you read a P&L, what are the tax implications, what are the different trust structures that you can go into. So all of these products that we could put together. So while we've probably done that work before, using the startup mindset of maybe we could put a program and a consistent product together that would have the consistencies and services. So we could look at it from the startup definition that we had before and look at this program as part of our offering and having a look at it to see how we could actually get it sustainable and repeatable. How would we actually service the customer in this? How would we set the prices to it and who we would get to do it. I think so often we try to set up new services, whether it's one that I just talked about or even if it's implementing a bookkeeping into your um, firm. It could be, you know, you wanted to do more SMF work and get a program, a product or even an area around that. All of this, how many times have you done your strategic planning for the year and then wanted to grow these areas with the resources that you have right now? and not really sort of viewed it as a um, product offering and how you would actually put the ongoing services around it. I look at the startup stats of the 20, you know, 20 startups to maybe one gets through and I would be super curious to, and interested to find out, you know, how many products that we start in all our firms um, and then we sort of go because we've got some time in July and August to get it going and then it kind of falls in a heap and we don't keep going. Estate planning programs, uh, financial literacy workshops. Look, I'm just even speaking from my own experience here. I'd hate to count through in my um, career how many times we sort of started to launch stuff. And certainly those products might still still have been going in, in, in firms, but they're not going um, and looking at the different business units and they're not developing systems and people around it. We quite often, you know, even resource the new products with people who are already too busy um, and may not have the skill sets. We're hesitant to bring people up because a lot of these, um, you know, do new developments like startups take time to get going, take an education program with the with the clients and then also obviously we have to de develop different systems and processes and mindset within the firm itself. So it takes a lot of product unproductive time and we're just not used to that. So we don't sort of put aside the resources or the funding for it. So I think if we could start getting a little bit more of that startup mindset when we're actually looking at developing new products because going forward into the future, and again, as I was at the beginning, I'm not talking about putting anything that's outside your existing skill sets. These are all growing systemized products that stand on their own, like the end of year and the compliance products do, but they're more advisory products, meaning that they don't actually have to get done, but they should still be resourced and systemized and process-driven like our other products are. But we have to actually create the space and the mindset to actually do that. An extension on that is David's tips with startups um, and people who are going to succeed, which, of course, are just exactly what it takes to succeed um, in any business or any um, 
sport or anything that you do in life. So the drive, the dedication and the persistence and consistency. And then the other one is the curiosity and the constant polling and asking of their market and audience. And I think we as an industry can take something really away from this is actually validating. So, you know, just looping back to what I said before around setting up products and, you know, really doing that. And we're being told right now, I think we're being hammered by um, people supporting our industry on what we should be doing. But it's super important to go back and ask your clients what they actually want um, and what they need and what they're feeling. And a lot of them, you know, aren't necessarily feeling that they need some of these bigger sort of growth products or anything. They just feel like they need support around financial literacy, support around other things. So we need to constantly poll our market. And where you can start is poll your existing clients because they're your biggest market right now. There's probably a lot of things that you could be doing. And by doing that, then you can have the validation to then go and spend the time in building the products as I was talking about earlier. So no matter where you hear it from, this is super important. A couple of other smaller tips that I think are interesting um, and then I do strongly recommend is Go to some of these Canvas co-workings events, these innovation startup events. Go and look at what's being discussed. Don't just go to get clients. Go there for your own curiosity on your own businesses. Surround yourself with different styles of people and different styles of businesses. When you're talking to your business owners, even if you don't want to drill down, as I said before, start with, hey, what's interesting happening in your business? You know, Have you seen anything interesting on the business? Ask them. Keep asking them because you will always learn from any conversation that you had. And I certainly, when I came out of a, a bigger traditional style of accounting firm and did go and sit in that co-working space five years ago, even longer than that now, what I learned just from just hanging around different styles of people really changed the way I look at business and really changed what we do in, in my accounting firm and, and obviously in Blueprint HQ, which is dedicated to changing the way we look into our future. And the great thing about us, I think, as accountants, we do have drive and dedication. We are extremely consistent and persistent. I just think we need to start shifting that persistence and consistency to developing changes into the future, making small changes in our business. And I hope I've given you a couple of tips today that you can do that. So as usual, continue the conversation, be brave, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.